0: Hey, Peter. Hey, Adam. How do you memorize a six feet distance uh, to correlate with your habits of going to the park and also wanting to keep a safe social distance?
1: I just think about my, my good buddy, my big buddy, Adam, and I think of him laying down. And that is the distance I need to be one Adam's length away from anybody else. Perfect.
0: I'm Adam menace And
1: I'm Peter Martin. I'm six feet, one inches tall, and you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. <laughs> Daily music advice coming at you. Oh, so that's good. So I'm, we're, we're actually giving an extra inch. I didn't that's even right. realize that. That's perfect, man. That's we're right. we're cool. going above and beyond our civic duty. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. And if you get like an atom and a half, you're totally safe. Oh, man. So, you're you're uh, woke times two. <laughs> we are sponsored today by Open Studio. Go to OpenStudioJazz.com. And check out all of our piano courses, including our Piano Access Pass. It's really one of the best values you can find for online jazz education. So go check that out. Again, OpenStudioJazz.com. Today, we are taking questions from Instagram, and we've got a great one to kick it off with. This is from Young Tony. And Young Young Tony Tony says, How to memorize... I think, how do you memorize the diminished scales that correlate with dominant chords? Exclamation point. Young Tony is excited about this question. I'm excited about the answer, Young Tony, because the answer is extremely symmetrical and it stays the same no matter what you do. Um, there are a couple ways to memorize which diminished scale goes with which dominant chord. The first thing you can do is actually learn the half whole diminished scale. Because if you learn the half whole diminished scale, then you have... It's, it's a one-to-one ratio of diminished scale to dominant chord. If it's a B-flat... Mono E mono. If it's a, yeah. If it's a B-flat 13, flat 9, you know that a B-flat half-hole diminished scale is going to work great on... Boom! That. Now, boom! Boom! That's like n- number one recommended way five stars would memorize, <laughs> for sure. Now, but I know what you're saying, because when I first learned about the diminished scale, I didn't know about the half-hole. I only know about, knew about the whole half. And Mm. so I had to learn it from a whole other thing. Now, an easy way to do that, in my opinion, is to use the whole half from a half step above. Right. Mm. But again, once you realize that that's just the half whole, diminished scale, starting on the second step, just learn that half whole. And that's literally just a series and half step, whole step.
1: Yep. And I'm not sure if I'm totally, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Adam, uh, or, or just in terms of how I'm hearing the question. Uh, kind of the next level or maybe sort of, you know, in line with, with what you're talking about, the half whole diminished scale, applying it to a dominant chord um, and thinking about the different alterations, especially when we go into sort of melodic Pat, you know, shapes that we can use for melodic improv. Uh, we're thinking about the diminished uh, going up the diminished chord minor thirds, basically. So you've got the C half whole diminished scale, which works over a C7, sharp nine, sharp 11, flat nine, but still staying with that same chord, C7 altered, or not even altered, just sharp 11, flat nine, sharp nine. You can also move up to the E-flat, Um, half whole scale, yes, it's diatonically the same, but if you learn each of them as a different thing, it gives you different shapes that you can use, and then up to F-sharp, and then up to A. So all those ones that are the same, don't just skip over them and say, I already learned this because I know the fingering, and I know that it's diatonically the same. Actually practice them and think about those, because what I'll do um, from time to time I've been known to do is to play a C7-sharp-11-sharp-9 and then start improvising over an E-flat-sharp-9 as like a melodic pattern and that's primarily based upon a e flat half whole right. scale. And right, it is right, different right. than thinking about it as the C. Totally, yeah. yeah. You know, I,
0: I that, and that's really for a lot of scales. Like I had a teacher once who told me there's not one chromatic scale, there's 12 chromatic scales because you got to know the intervals like you got to know the minor 6 and the major 6 of right. starting from any note. So Yep. To think and about in terms them. of
1: timing, like when we play lines, that makes such a difference. If you think about the chromatic scale, and where you put accent, or buh, 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 de, buh, de. Right. every place that you start, it's going to come out different. And then that's stuff that you're going to use in lines, especially when you're using the, the chromatic or, or the diminished as well as kind of a connector between two places.
0: Right. And I mean, the good news about this is, though, you know even though you, you, you want to memorize the different ways to think about it, because you want to have that at easy access. And then especially if you do things like write music or arrange music or orchestrate music, you need to be able to think like that very quickly about the relationships between notes. As you were saying, like thinking about that E flat half whole over the C seven. But like the good news is, is you don't have to learn new fingerings for the diminished scales. Cause there's right. only the three and yep. they really do go together and you start, even though you might be thinking about it as like E flat half whole, like, those patterns are there. They're there when you're thinking about it as C or E flat or G flat or A. Those same shapes, those same relationships you have. Think about it. You're just reinforcing them by, by putting different, by framing them in, in different ways, essentially. Same thing with the chromatic scale. You, know, you right. don't have to learn different fingerings or learn uh, you know, a, a different way to play chromatically from C to C. Even if you start on E flat, uh, it's the same. Yeah. But just understanding how we frame these in different ways can just help unlock, really unlock, You know, how you can make your melodies, how you can build your chords in a, uh, it starts to be a really robust way, but you do get that benefit of having to, uh, what do we say around here? We're going to reuse stuff, right? Right. Recycle,
1: reuse, and renew. No, what is it? That's right. And no wish cycling. I learned that this week. My kids have been telling me, do not wish cycle. Wish cycle. Yeah, I bet you do that, Adam. I probably do. That's when you like, say, heat something up in the oven with tin foil on the top And then you take the tinfoil off and then you ball up the tinfoil and throw it into the recycling and you're wishing that you can recycle it. That contaminates the whole thing and now all of it it goes in the landfill. Or like you're not sure if something like this little snotty paper does not go in the recycling, I was told. Do I sound like I'm speaking from experience? You do. Being scolded on this? You've been (laughs) having your kids, being at home with your kids all this time. You're learning all kinds of new things. Man, I'm woke AF on the recycling (laughs) game. So I'm coming to check you for wish cycling. Uh, That's amazing yeah all right so uh we got another question uh this is from diego he says he or she says about being a classically trained pianist i can't seem to access all the stuff i've played when i'm uh, improving oh you think that's improvising probably okay probably improvising how do you guys go about it okay well let me just start with saying this uh you know being a classical pianist or at least was one at, at at some time um There's two kind of mindset things that will help you. First of all, it is not only possible, it's been done many times to be a successful and accomplished and and engaging classical pianist and jazz pianist simultaneously. I mean, maybe not simultaneously, you're playing two things, but I mean, you don't have to say, I'm going to do it this year and the next year. They're not that diametrically opposed that they can't coexist. And, you know, one only needs to look to a gentleman that occasionally – his name has come up on this podcast. Herbie Hancock, Art Tatum, Oscar Peterson, Keith Jarrett, who we were talking about on yesterday's episode. You know, so many examples of that. Now, um, so that's the first thing. Once you kind of... Because there's always a thing when classical pianists are coming to jazz, and and a little bit less jazz pianists going to classical, where it's like, oh, I can't do this. This is so differently. So we psych ourselves out of it before we even get in there. Yes, you can. Um, and then also... But then you want to recognize the different kind of mindset that you need to have when you're playing jazz. Classical music is very much about preparation in terms of executing what you prepared in a very inspired way when you perform to the best of the abilities that you've developed as you've practiced, okay? And so jazz is very much about playing the best that you can, but it includes this other element of like taking everything that you practiced and developed as a musician, ear training and understanding of rhythm and all these different things, but then kind of throwing them out and letting it come out naturally so that you not only can kind of hit the level that you're at, but you have the possibility of even exceeding that by the spirit of the moment, you know it's like a runner that's that's training at a certain time. They don't go to that next level time until they get to the race, in hopes that all that it, you know has it will inspire them and the adrenaline of the day and the excitement will push them to that thing that could be dangerous for them to do all the time. So that's sort of what the jazz player, and, and I think with classical, you're really just trying to hit what you know you can do so you prepare you prepare you want it to sound inspired of course but you're not really looking to exceed or add especially notes in this type of thing you know you're looking to really execute it in a authentic and inspired way so it's not a huge difference but it is good to kind of get thinking about what that mindset is so that when you go into play you can and because you're talking about improvising i mean that's that's the big difference that's bigger than anything stylistic i would say between classical and jazz
0: Yeah, I mean, a classical player doesn't necessarily have to also be a composer and understand, you know, why the notes they're playing work. They just have to understand. I mean, that could actually help a classical performance, but they just have to understand, you know, the spirit of the music and, and how to play those notes in the most effective way. Yeah. Um, side note, have you done anything on the classical realm in the last few years? I've done one thing and I couldn't sleep for like three weeks before because <laughs> it was so nervous. Yeah.
1: yeah, because it is, yeah, it's a different kind of preparation. I mean, on one side, I'm the same way because it's, uh, you know, I, I look at it in some ways as easier because you know exactly what you have to do, yeah. but the bar is kind of higher because it's like, you have no with jazz you know what you have to do which is make an inspired cool imp- improvisation you don't actually know how you're going to do it until you get in the moment so yeah, that's it's whatever happens from, there yeah Yeah. to me that's exciting though and yeah. I, don't, I don't you know i think that these kind of, this this duality here is so important and so cool and and so interesting and engaging in terms of how we approach the music these two kinds of music the the part that people get stuck on is like oh classical musicians hear the time different than jazz no they don't that's boring. <laughs> But like, like different styles of music have different grooves to them yeah. and different instruments approach time. Like, you know, when I've, I had played in orchestras and stuff growing up and sang in choirs. And so like when I started doing jazz stuff with orchestras or writing for it, you know, a lot of other jazz musicians would get frustrated. So like, you know, the conductor goes doom and then everybody, the violins, they're coming in late. And I'm like, they're not coming in late if you understand how violin sections breathe first of all if you're playing in a section if you're a pianist or a drummer somebody that's never played in a section you should always play in a section because it's a different kind of musical mentality because you can't just come in right on the beat because you have to it's about coming in as a section and breathing your way into that so that that has affected the way that those grooves have felt but it doesn't mean you can only do one or the other you just have to hear them and you have yeah. to understand them and, and, and respect them and then once you step into it that way, it's very easy. But that's the universality of music, I think. And and we'll see that sometimes with, you know, going around the world and playing jazz and, and places that, you know, should have no understanding because their their music is so different than our music. But all of a sudden they connect with it immediately or hip hop or classical or whatever. I know there's, we have, there's a lot more there. We have limited time. So we'll j- yeah. I'm going to
0: wrap up our,
1: our sponsor into
0: this last question nice. uh, for that for that questionnaire. We actually have a course on OpenStudioJazz.com called Jazz Piano Jumpstart that was designed for you. For the classical for pianist. No, for the question. Okay, because you're the, pointing the, at me. <laughs> yeah, no, for the, the, for the person who asked the question. I, I didn't see yeah. their, their username. But it's for the someone who... Diego. Can, Diego, For yes. Diego. For someone who can play the piano, who's classically trained, understands the instrument, but wants to get into jazz and how that works. It's a whole different mindset. Uh, you yeah. can check out Jazz Piano Jumpstart over on OpenStudioJazz.com. Thank you, Instagram. And that's, a, that, that,
1: that, that's a course that um, we both did together, as I recall. We did it, you'll hear it style, is what we called it. We did it, you'll hear it style, right. I yeah. was eating a banh mi as we recorded that chorus. <laughs> that was what made it, you'll hear it style. <laughs> we had to start it three times. <laughs> That's right, right, right. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, we um, leave us a rating or review. We don't even have time today to read them, but just know that they're seven stars. That's all we get and that was fun last week we, we did an interview with the Switched On Pop folks if you guys missed that you can go back just a couple of episodes we, it was a two-parter brilliant guys behind one of our favorite podcasts on music and we've been getting a lot of cool response about that and um, so check that they are a five-star uh, podcast as as are we we are seven stars so. we are seven star. I'm sorry oh my god Can I? did I even just say that yeah. oh my god they're a five-star podcast we're a seven star so they probably learned something from us but you know birds of a feather flock together until next time You'll hear it.